Okay, here we are at the first meeting of 2018, January 11th, the Science Fiction Club meeting. And we want to welcome everyone who's currently here and who will be listening in the future. Um, so we are going to talk about uh, books that we either liked or didn't, uh, that we read last week or yesterday or last year or 30 years ago, whatever it might be that people want to talk about. So whoever wants to start, go. Well, I guess I'll start. I read Tomorrow's Children, edited by Isaac Asimov. It's on Bookshare, a collection of short stories about children, and some of them even written from a child's point of view by a child. So it's been a great deal of fun. This was published back in 1966, and it was on Talking Book Records, and I read it when I was in high school. Absolutely loved it, and glad it's on Bookshare. And one of my favorite stories in there is Cabin Boy by Damon Knight. It's about an Earthship that is going to Mars, and a very, very large alien ship comes into the solar system looking for metal because the inhabitants of the alien ship require it for their diets and the ship requires it and the human ship gets stuck onto the alien ship and the alien ship starts eating at the metal on the outside of the human ship and there is a child alien who discovers that there are humans inside this human ship who are absolutely terrified and he is the one who has to figure out a way to detach the human ship from the alien ship so that was one of my favorite stories and then there's um, the little terror about a, a little girl who makes things disappear and has to get them back in some way and when the bow breaks is about a little baby who is trained by future relatives to do some frightening things and finally dies at the end. There's a Zena Henderson story called Gilead. There's one called The Father Thing by K Philip K. Dick where the aliens come and they kill a child's father and pretend to be his father and the kids have to kill these horrible aliens. There's Starbright, which is a story that we all read about two super intelligent, very wonderful children. All Summer in a Day by Bradbury about Venus and the day of rain for only for an hour. And this little girl misses out on it. And of course, Jerome Bigsby's It's a Good Life about the little kid who scares everybody like crazy, just scares them in this little town and runs it because he's got psychic powers and if he doesn't like the way things are going on that he sends people out into the cornfield corn and turns them into monsters and kills them. And then there's another wonderful story called No Life of Their Own by Simak about aliens who move into a neighborhood, different species, and there's one species that sees these kind of semi-visible aliens who are causing a really mean family to have good luck and everybody else in the neighborhood has rotten luck and everything fails for them. So this new alien family has to get rid of the rotten semi-visible creatures and there's other stuff in there too, other stuff in the book, but it's just a great deal of fun and I had a blast reading it, highly recommend it.
Yes, Jerome Bixby. I knew I'd remember the name. We were talking about that story last month. It's a good life, and I couldn't come up with the name. So, yeah, I knew I'd remember it as soon as you said it. But uh, that does sound like a good anthology, old classic stuff. Well, uh, I guess I'll go next. I have two things to talk about. Uh, the first is rather brief. Um, I spent the past, well, I don't know. I started about Thanksgiving, and I finally ended up uh, about New Year's or so. I read all 12 of the main Honor Harrington books by David Weber. And I really liked them. I This was a reread for me. And I have to say, you know, I know that, that um, you know, the Honor Harrington books are not um, anything that is, is uh, earth-shaking in any way. They're just darn good reads, and uh, I really like them. And so I reread them. Now, this next book I'm talking about, I just started last night, and I've read about an hour the way into it. It's quite interesting. It's called The Rise and Fall of Dodo, D-O-D-O, and uh, it's a, a name of an organization, Black Ops, <laughs> of course, you know, governmental black ops. And uh, the whole premise is that um, because of the advent of science, and particularly uh, photography, that magic really did exist before the advent of science and photography and so forth. And the government wants to get magic back and so they've got these this team working on this and it's quite entertaining it it really is and I'm sorry I don't have an author I should have looked it up before I came but anyway it's on Bard so if you look for the rise and fall of Dodo you will find it um, so that's those are my books well, I always do that before I make the news wire up because sometimes people have gotten titles a little off and stuff like that. So I'll check and all that will be in the news wire when I list the major books that we talked about. Well, I guess I'll take my turn now. I also read all... 12 books of the Honor Harrington series. And again, it was a reread. Uh, I enjoyed them up through about volumes 9 or 10, and then I started losing interest because it wasn't so much about Honor Harrington and her adventures as it was about other book people that were mentioned in the series. Uh, and in fact, the last one I didn't like at all because there was almost nothing about Honor Harrington in it. And this is a spoiler. Uh, while they killed off the leader of the bad guys, 
they let a large number of the bad people get away and I would have preferred just having it finished because I think Weber is running out of energy in the honor verse. I, you know, I just don't think his later books are as good as the first ones and some of the parallel ones are not as good as the first one. So there are my recommendations and I may try some of these books on off of Bookshare because I'm sure getting tired of the stuff that's on Bard. Well, I have to say that I agree that uh, books 11 and 12 um, See, the thing is that what happened with Weber was that he got all tied up in his politicking having to do with the various, uh, uh, you know, with the Solarian League and the uh, Andromani and the, the uh, you know, the Manticorans and, uh, you know, all this. And I, frankly, don't care. I wanted <laughs> I wanted to hear about Honor Harrington and what she did about it all. I don't care about all the politics. I it, that it it you know fake politics bores me just as much as the real stuff does. So you know, <laughs> I know what you mean, uh, Marshall. I do, but uh, I I like the the beginning books because they they were good. Well, I kind of like politics uh, somewhat. Uh, there's other things I like about science fiction, but if there's politics in amongst the imaginative bits, um, I can deal with it to some extent. I read political books, uh, not as many as on some other subjects, but I do read them from time to time. And um, so I will go next, I guess, and I am also talking about a reread, but it was something I read about 30 years ago when it was on when it first came out on cassette. And uh, that was the Paratois Saga by Christopher Hines, H-I-N-Z, which I'm glad to say Bookshare has in publisher quality, so if you want to read them that way. But I listened to John Polk's readings of them, and I won't talk about all three, because um, we generally try to talk about one book, but and I don't want to spoil too much, um, because there's a lot going on, um, but I first will say, before I talk about what I liked about them, they do have the feel of a B-movie about them. Um, they're a little cheesy, some of the science is hard, and some of it's just goofy. And, um, the paratois, first of all, um, that the books are about are people who are genetically linked, telepathically. Um, they were, in, when they were in utero, they were infused with this something the author calls a McQuaid unity, which was a chunk of cells which were discovered to be telepathically linked. Um, and so when the fetuses get these um, uh, cells into their systems... And this is all not very well worked out in detail. But I can't spoil it. There's a reason for that. And we'll find out if you continue on to the third book. 
So the first book is called Liege Killer, L-I-E-G-E, -E, Liege, I guess it would be, wouldn't it? The second book is called Ash Auk, and the third book is called Paratois. And so the first book starts out with uh, some people from an organization called E-Tech who go down to this. Okay, let me go back up a little bit, because the history is this takes place in 2307, the first book takes place in 2307. The Earth has been mostly deserted. There was an apocalypse near the end of the 21st century, runaway technology, there was a lot of warfare, biotech and nuclear contamination of the Earth, and so humans went out and built these O'Neill colonies. He doesn't use the word O'Neill. That's what they are. They're spinning cylinders. Um... They've got mirrors in them, and they use them to simulate day-night cycles on them, and they spin them to simulate gravity. And they're like, they vary, but they're a few miles across and about 30, 20, 30, 40, 50 miles long, depending on, you know, which one. They're all different. There are about 215 or 16 of them in at the time of the book. And so... Liege Killer starts out with these people who are going down because they see this, um, they see traces of these people who are pirates. They're called Costos. They're kind of outcasts of society. And they go down to the earth to get stuff that they can sell, maybe old technological artifacts or, you know, antiques or whatever might have survived that's in the cities, you know, that's. You know, but they they wear spacesuits because the you can't survive outside for more than a few minutes in many places because of all the radiation and biotech hazards. So these guys go down to the earth and they discover that uh, they discover this train in a, an old subway that was set up to uh, sus for suspended animation. They discover that somebody was wake woken up. Well, it turned out that there was two people who were woken up and so what happens is that they discover that one of the paratois who are killers they're, they most of them were assassins they can operate in two bodies but with one mind now they can operate separately but they function when they're when they're at their peak you know when they're when they're in their um, doing their fighting and so on, they act as one person in two bodies. And I'm not spoiling anything because we find out fairly quickly that one of the paratois who is supposed to have left on the... Well, okay, this is another thread of the story. Sometime near the end of the 21st century, before the apocalypse, uh, a group of people created and funded a, um, a group of ships to leave the solar system and maybe find another planet. And it was thought that the Paratois had left on all these starships, at least most of them. Um, but of course, you know, the Earth is, is um, you know, not very well, exp um, you know, there's a lot of places to hide things on Earth, of course. And so, but one of the Paratois, who was one of the royal cast, who were especially smart, there are only five of them created, he was left behind, and he's hidden he is um, he is two people most of the time, 
uh, you see him coming together to think about things every so often. There's a conspiracy to keep humanity's technological development slow because the starships, which they thought were heading out to find another planet, are actually coming back to retake the Earth, whom they feel the humans, you know, they, they want to retake the Earth and dominate the humans. This is why I say it, it reads kind of like a B-movie to some extent. There are characters in it. We see um, a boy and his mother who um, live next door to this guy who we find out later was responsible for waking up the Paratois at the behest of the um, the main conspirator, whose name is Codrus. He's one of the Ash-Ock, and that's the royal cast, who's the name of the second book is Ash-Ock, and that's um, the... Uh, so they kill him to prevent him from uh, maybe talking to somebody later about it, but they witness it. And it turns out that they were intended to witness it and call some, you know, and call the organization that's responsible for keeping, you know, technological development regulated. They, they highly regulate technological development because most people are afraid of what happened near the end of the 21st century when technology was on a runaway course, you know, and there was all kinds of, you know, neurotoxins and nanotech around and everything and and a lot of people are, you know, don't want to see that happen again. So anyway, um, so we see the conspiracy, and so the director of E-Tech, that's the group that's um, responsible for keeping regulate, you know, and they're, they were the, one of the original group uh, responsible for fighting against the Paratois, and they were founded at the, near the end of the 21st century. They encounter a computer program uh, that tells them to wake up... Um, Two people in these pods, or in these, um, um, man, I can't find the word, and they're in suspended animation, so they wake them up, and it turns out that they were experienced paratois hunters back in the late 21st century. And so the game is up, and the, the, um, the paratois assassin they woke up is killing people and trying to create terror in the colonies, and and there's reasons for that. The, the uh, Codrus is trying to manipulate people into keeping technological development slow because after 200 years, there's, a, there's beginning to be pressure for faster technological development. But he's trying to keep it slow, so he, the, he arranges these terror attacks to try to, to manipulate people into supporting E-Tech, which is the organization that's responsible for keeping technological development slowed down. So we know who the conspirators are, and we know what they're doing, and the kind of the suspense is what will happen. Will they get caught? Will, 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 you know, and I'm certainly not going to tell uh, what that's about. And there are secrets to uh, the two that were awakened, um, that were awakened to fight the Paratois assassin, who was himself awakened. And we find out that stuff, and we find the little boy. You know he. Um, you know, there there is some character there. He's a, he's uh, conflicted because his mother tells him a false story about her husband, who was his father. You know, he was actually a pirate, and he was kind of a no-good Nick. And, but she tells him a different story, but he finds out later on. And so there's, you know, there's problems there. He runs away from home, and, you know, he gets in with some bad people and gets addicted to something. And Anyway, uh, and he gets saved. I'm not going to, um, you know, I, I don't want to leave that out there without 
saying that it, it works out okay in the end, but I don't know if he and his mother ever get really um, back uh, on full terms because we don't see that part of the, at the after the end of the book. Anyway, um, that's probably enough about that, but I enjoyed, I read all three of them while I was on my trip. Um, there's a lot of, as I said, a lot of B-movie the st aspects to it. The paratois are kind of caricaturely vicious. There's not a lot of violence and gore. There's some. I mean, I wouldn't put it up against anything I've read by Ian Banks or anything, but there's some, but it's not severe. And um, so if you want something that's, uh, you know, interesting but not real heavy and, you know, and you're not too going to look at the science too closely, give those a try because there are some secrets at the end, and, you know, in the, in the last book, things turn out to be quite different than is portrayed in the first book. So I really liked it. So I was glad to reread them once Bard got them out late last year. And John Polk reads them all, so you don't lose the thread of the narrator there. So, anyway, that was it was a great deal of fun to read those. Oh, we lost Roger. Darn, I wonder if he was in too much pain to continue. As I know, he said he was feeling better, but maybe not. I talked to him about ten minutes before class. His audio was good, but it was having dropouts. And then when I tried to talk to him after that, he uh, didn't answer. So I don't know if he just gave up or he said he wasn't hurting all that bad, but that could have changed. What happened to him? I didn't know he was. Uh, I didn't know he was ill or in pain. What? Uh, what's the deal? He got a tooth pulled. Actually, two. Uh, two were. He said it. Well, Marshall, he got one pulled or two. One. Uh, they were infected. Apparently, and uh, of course the Novocaine, he said, well, the infection made it more painful, even despite the Novocaine, and they were a lot more painful after that wore off, I can imagine, even though they were pulled. Um, there's still, you know, uh, I imagine quite a bit of pain left behind. I only got a tooth pulled many years ago, and it wasn't that bad, but, um, but I got a root canal, so uh, it didn't hurt because they, they zilched the nerve there. Anyway... Yeah, he got at least one tooth pulled today. I think it was two. Yeah, it was two because he sent a note out was a couple hours ago, I think. And he said, yeah, it was two teeth, and they were done at the same time, and he was in pretty bad pain afterward. But the note that I got said he was feeling a little better, but I, I wasn't sure. He wasn't sure if he was talking clearly enough. He said that he was talking better after he got the gauze out of his mouth, but uh, he may not be up to to being in our meeting. Plus, if he's having buffering problems, then maybe, you know, maybe he just kept trying and gave up. Well, that's possible. I know how it is when you have a tooth pulled. Fortunately, I decided uh, for mine that uh, uh, I was going to do it under sedation. So it was a little more money, a lot more money. But I decided, uh, for my comfort, uh, and because I also have a terrible gag reflex, that having it done under sedation was the way to go. And it was, because I went in there and, you know, it was only like 45 minutes, and, you know, they used the same stuff they use for 
colonoscopies, you know, so you don't remember what, what happened while you were under. Um, and it just, it went like a breeze. Uh, I mean, I had to eat soft food and all that kind of stuff for a week, but, you know, it wasn't too bad. Um, and there was very little pain, so I was happy about that. But uh, poor Roger, gosh. Well, anyway, um, I'll get out of here, uh, or release the key anyway. Well, he didn't seem to have much trouble talking. I didn't have any trouble understanding him, but he may have started having more pain when he started opening his mouth because maybe the sockets were temperature sensitive or something or maybe something else happened. But, you know, and I don't know about the buffering issue. Um, I'm beginning to wish that TC Conference or whoever makes this thing chat client would put a little more effort into making it work reliably on all platforms or at least the two majors uh, and I don't mean the iPhone um, because frankly this is about the only program I use my Windows machine for. Oh, and I forgot to mention that Bookshare has a prequel to the Paratois saga called Binary Storm, which takes place in the late 21st century and stars Nick of the... Um, he's a primary character in the uh, three Paratois books. He's the one, one of the two people from the 21st century that was woken up uh, to fight the Paratois. Nick, he's a master manipulator and computer software wizard. And um, so, anyway, I don't know if I'm going to read that or not. I think, you know, the time of that, you know, book was, you know, long ago. And I read, I already know the outcome of the, you know, the whole thing. So um, I'm not sure if I'm going to read it, but I'm putting it on here for the benefit of anybody who might be interested in reading it. Um, and any of the others that are here. Yeah, Bookshare has them all. Hmm. Sounds vaguely interesting. Um, I might try it. But I am also, uh, well, I think I'm, I'm sort of in a slump between good books, and I, uh, I'm not finding too much that I'm enjoying, although... I'm jumping back and forth between rereading Margaret Marin and, and J.A. Jantz, but those are mysteries, so I won't go into that. But anyway, uh, I'll take a look, Evan, and when you send out the, the blurb, you know, with the with the book titles, I'm sorry about the uh, the rise and fall of Dodo. I I just I totally slipped my mind. I was supposed to get the author. I mean, you know, one would think that one would do that, but, you know, what can I say? Um, nobody's perfect, only God, I guess. Well, as I, I mentioned on the list, I think it was on the SF list, that I was going to talk about Greg Bear's, the complete short fiction of Greg Bear, which I am very excited about. But, but I got on this trip, and I had, 
mentioned even earlier than that, that now that Bard had all three of these Paratois books that I was looking forward to rereading them, and so I thought I'd take advantage of the chance of, you know, the uh, fact that I was going to have a fair bit of leisure time, even though I was visiting friends and family, I still got a good bit of reading time in, especially on the trips back there, there and back. So, um, I was, uh, but that may be what I read next time, we'll see. Um, I'm, I am looking forward to that. It's 37 hours and something, so, but I think I can do it by the uh, next meeting. We'll see, though. I might find something else. I want to read more, but uh, I do like Greg Bear quite a lot. I looked at that book rather briefly, and I noticed that these stories must be quite lengthy because there's probably six or seven in each volume. So I wonder how complete it is and if there are going to be volumes to come that would add to the completeness of the work because when I find six or seven stories in each volume, that doesn't sound to me like it's very complete. So um, I would question the completeness of it, actually. I don't know about the accuracy of the title, but I'm rather suspicious that this is not all totally complete yet. So I just thought I'd mention that. Well, I think there were 13 in the first one and then six or seven in the second and third ones. And it does say the complete short fiction of Greg Bear volumes one through three. So it may be complete up through those three volumes. But on the other hand, I read the magazines all through the 80s and the 90s and... I rarely saw anything of short fiction from him in Asimov's or Analog. Frankly, I can only remember one in Asimov's and one in Analog. Hard Fought was published in Asimov's and Blood Music was published in Analog. So if he published a lot of short fiction, it didn't appear there. Um, so he may not have published, I mean, and he did write, he was a, a pretty regular novel writer, so a pretty prolific novel writer. So. Um, it's either not complete or that may be all the short fiction that he has. Well, I guess we may find out. Actually, I could go up to Amazon and see if he's published any more, you know, if there are any more volumes come out yet or if there are any due soon. Um, but it's certainly possible that he just didn't write that much short fiction because I didn't see much when, you know, I was reading the magazines. Also, um, it says, at least in Volumes 1 and 2, if I remember correctly, that some of the stuff was revised. And I think we, I mentioned that on the list, and you made a comment that said, well, revisions and that sort of thing are rather questionable because there's a possibility that the author may have revised a lot of it or just part of it or one section of it, plus you don't know, there's no way for any of us to know how much the revision affected the story as a whole or just part of it. I know Blood Music was one of the stories that was revised. So uh, anybody wanting to read this book might be uh, warned or alerted about that too. Yeah, I mentioned I mentioned that I would like to have seen the stories as they were originally published, but... I don't know. They might even be. They might be better. We'll see. I know Blood Music pretty well and Hard Fought. If um, so, um, but I have not read the others, so I won't know the revision from the original in most cases. Um, so I don't know. I'm I'm gonna um, 
despite the caveats, I'm going to uh, get try to get to it here pretty soon. Well, I guess uh, I can close up the recording now by saying that the next meeting of the Science Fiction Club will be on Thursday, January or February, February the eighth, two thousand eighteen here in the book nook and we will talk about our books we will each bring a book or a series as the case may be and uh, I guess we'll talk to you all then hopefully more people will come <laughs>